TNFC Daily, Kay-Marie and LME here to talk about England's 3-0 win over Senegal. They are through to the quarterfinals to face France. And I'm not really sure, Louise, how to feel about this. I mean, we saw Maguire get away with a mistake. We saw Phil Foden start in a big save from Jordan Pickford. Harry Kane scoring from open play. Of course, Jordan Henderson scoring the opening goal for England. So many things to talk about here. Great to see Saka scoring too. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. What else? Biggest one of all. We have an absolutely brilliant world-class player who's still only a teenager. His name is Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. Hey, Jude. What a performance. I don't know what to feel, Kvar. I don't know what it feels like for England to deliver a great win like this in the knockout stages of the World Cup. Amazing stuff. Amazing. Once again, Phil Foden, to your point, such a great performance, becomes the first player since David Beckham to produce two assists. Jude Bellingham, listen, Jude Bellingham's agent right now is like, you know, chinging it in right now because he is an absolute star and Harry Kane delivering again. What a great win. What a great victory. I feel sorry for the fact that we'll say goodbye to Senegal fans because they have been some of the best in the tournament, but tremendous from Gareth Southgate's England and France. Here we go, baby. Yeah, we do. Let's bring in Tom Hamilton, shall we, to talk a little bit more about everything that we've just seen in this game. Where do you want to start, Tom? What stood out to you most from this? Because we're saying there's a few moments that we're not sure how to feel about. It's almost like it's weird to finish a game as an England fan feeling comfortable. Yeah, and it was, to be honest. I think like Jude Bellingham completely personified it. He was so calm for both those goals. like The way he just controls the tempo of the game especially for that second one, for the Harry Kane goal. You can see him just in the middle of the park, you know, they're playing on the counter. He gets it, he looks around, makes little darts, puts the ball into Foden, who then gives it over to Kane. But he's so composed. And you can really see in this game, like sort of the Southgate DNA sort of personified on that pitch. You can see the way that he wants his midfield to press, win the ball back. Kane drops deep, midfielders push on, create all this relentless pressure from there three brilliant goals and I think this is it I mean you're looking at sort of the early stages there were those few warning signs Senegal they played really well in the first sort of 20-25 minutes and then England eventually just sort of came through but it's just these key little mid midfield transitions winning the ball back the likes of Henderson, Rice, Bellingham even Kane dropping back and then everyone just moves forward en masse and it must be so difficult to defend against and Senegal AFCON champions right they're a good team yeah, absolutely. I mean, not much more to add from Tom's points there. I think it's really worth noting that, number one, England won when the game wasn't perfect, right? Okay, you said it in your intro. You know, it began with a few missed passes from Harry Maguire. Jordan Pickford needed to do a really good one-handed save to deny, you know, an attempt from Senegal. It wasn't a perfect match. But then, as the game went on, just like Tom said, players like Jude Bellingham stepped up. And it's worth noting that Gareth Southgate learns from the things that he, have already, he has already seen in the tournament. He knew that Phil Foden was screaming to start in this game, and he knew how to use him. And for everything that we talk about Harry Kane, he's not a number nine for England. He is so much more, and he delivered in so many ways. It was a really strong performance, a confident one, and it makes me feel good, Kate, to note that, you know, Bukayo Saka, what, 21 years old, Phil Foden, 22, Jude Bellingham, 19. I mean, the future is here, and it's very bright. So, Tom, does Gareth Southgate get praised for his decision-making here? Well, I think you have to, don't you? I mean, it was bold to not start Rashford again after that performance we saw last time out, right? But 
when you've got you saw towards the end, you can bring on Grealish, Eric Dyer, Mason Mount, Rashford. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And you know, because of the intensity of this World Cup, we're trying to do everything over four weeks here. Um, uh, you know, squad management is absolutely key. We saw it with Argentina last night. They talked a lot about the quick turnaround. England are trying to do the same. But I think he got it. I mean, in terms of selection, he got it absolutely spot on. I think the only thing which might be a slight concern was Carl Walker, just to the way that Saar got at him in the first half. Um, he definitely got him behind him a few times there. But apart from that, the, the midfield three looks really settled. And then you have these options up front. You could easily swap in Rashford for France if you wanted to, play him instead of Saka. But at the moment, I think this has to be the team heading forward. And so for that, we do have to give Gareth some praise. Absolutely. And I just want to go a bit deeper on Jude Bellingham, because obviously we know we've, we covered the Bundesliga on ESPN. So we know it's, it's no surprise to us how good Jude Bellingham is. It's no surprise to the English how good Jude Bellingham is. They follow very closely what he's doing. We have to keep reminding ourselves that he's a teenager because of his composure, because of his leadership. He's already captained Borussia Dortmund at this stage. Even in this one, like the stats, the stats just keep coming. The only teenager to record an assist in a World Cup knockout stage game since at least 1966 when there's been data available. And he must be giving so much confidence to England fans, but also to Gareth Southgate as well, because it's such a key position, Luis, to yeah. have a player that that's good and the future that he's got at such a young age with the national side. Yeah, listen, I, I, I don't do this comment that I'm about to say lightly, OK? Um, I, one of the, my favorite players in the history of the game is an Argentinian called Juan Román Riquelme. And one of the things that he did in that midfield was more than just statistics, was more than just assists. It was whenever he received the ball, I felt like time froze and he saw everything so clearly. There are so many things about Jude Bellingham that remind me of that, that is scary. And to what you just said, the fact that he's 19, I mean, never mind that opening goal from Jordan Henderson, Right. Uh, to me, that run in the middle that opened everything up for the second goal was majestic. And the fact that he's 19 is unbelievable. And I love the fact that, like you said, he is so cool on the game, so poised. And there are so many things that remind me of Riquelme that is scary. But this is an absolute star. And I can't wait to see what happens more in the future. Never mind the tournament. A tremendous performance from the young man. Go on, Tom. I think um, I think we probably owe Birmingham City a bit of an apology because unfortunately, remember when they re remember when they retired his shirt, everyone was a bit like, "Lads, you've gone too soon here." Do you know, do you know what, Tom? I don't. I, we know he retired his shirt, but just explain that that happened because I think some people still don't believe that happened, or maybe don't even know that happened to such a young player. Yeah, it's incredible, and it showed how highly they regard him. I mean, his brother is still there. He, he's meant to be also an incredible talent. So. Look, Jude Bellingham is a generational talent. I completely agree with what LME was saying there. There's also, I thought, elements of Iniesta today in the way that he played. But what I really liked was they played him a little bit further forward. And so we're seeing his full sort of box of tricks and he's 19. It's scary. But yeah, apology to anyone at Birmingham who perhaps received <laughs> some unfair criticism when they retired his shirt and people thought yeah. he might have gone too early. But look, he's, um, the kid's an absolute superstar. Yeah, they knew better than all of us, it's fair to say. Let's bring in Mark Ogden, shall we? I'm interested to know how he's feeling after seeing that performance from England. Hey, Mark, what are your thoughts okay. on what we've just seen there then? 3-0 against Senegal. Yeah, I was really surprised. You know, I, I did think that after what was a kind of a soft group, you know, no no disrespect to the teams in it, including the US, but I thought this was a step up, you know, African champions, a team with a lot of pace, a lot of strength, albeit missing Sadio Mane. But I think the first 20 minutes showed us what a good team Senegal can be, but... 
you know, Senegal ran out of steam, but England made them run out of steam. England was so good tonight, and it's it's very rare that we see an England team dominate like they did. And you know, the I just think South got, got everything right, and I think we have to give him credit for that for his selection. I think people were questioning the uh, the Rashford decision. I mean, nobody's going to question it now, but prior to the game, it was like, why is he doing this? Why is he dropping Rashford? I think well. Let's put into some perspective. Rashford scored two goals against Wales, who are probably the second weakest team in the tournament behind Qatar. His, his season at United has been up and down. And I think Rashford is best used as an impact sub, but it took a lot of bravery to to drop Marcus Rashford after a two-goal performance. But, you know, Bakaya Saka came in and, you know, for me, it more than justified his selection and must start against France. So, perfect selection by Southgate, perfect game plan, and England are looking good. Not you know, I've been through a lot of World Cups. I'm a bit older than you guys, maybe even older than LME. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I don't think so. But but I'll let but I'll let you think that and everybody else because that'll make me feel good. So that's fine. I saw the picture on Twitter. It got me thinking. But uh, <laughs> but listen, I've I've seen World Cup. I've, I've I've enjoyed a lot of World Cups in England. And going into these World Cups, people are saying, "Oh, England can win it." But you really know that there are better teams than that, Germany or Brazil. You just knew that England were at that level. I'm looking at what the teams that are left now, and I really don't see a team that's better than England. And I never thought I'd say that because Argentina is still in, Brazil is still in, France, the Netherlands. They've all got weaknesses and flaws. Now, England have got flaws as well. But I think that I think they're stronger than France. I think that they can beat Definitely. Brazil. And I, you know, and they can beat Argentina. So England could actually win this World Cup. And it's, it's crazy to say, but England can win this World Cup. Wow. It's not, it's true. I just, I just want you to say this so I can put it in. Okay, Argentina and France, one thing. You think this England team are better than the Brazil side we've seen in the World Cup, Mark? Yeah, because this Brazil team, you know, this is with Neymar, so we don't know if Neymar's fit. They've lost Gabriel Jesus, so they're basically relying on Richarlison staying fit and, and scoring goals. You know, Casemiro, great midfielder, but we've just been talking about Jude Bellingham. You know, Jude Bellingham, for me, is the next 10 years. Whoever gets Jude Bellingham has got the best midfielder around for the next 10 years. He's got... He's got Kevin De Bruyne in him, he's got Stephen Gerrard, he's got Patrick Vieira, he's got Paul Scholes, he's got elements for all these great players. He's a superstar in the making, and England have got him. So, Bellingham against that midfield of Brazil, why not? You know, Henderson's an experienced player, he's won the Champions League, and you've got Declan Rice, who's been talked about as the next big thing. I think, obviously, Brazil have got, playing Brazil in a World Cup, if you're, if, you're, if you're playing Brazil in a World Cup, and I think if England play them, it would be, well, it'd be the final, wouldn't it? They can't meet into the final. That would be some ask to beat Brazil because Brazil, when it matters, they turn it on. But yeah, I mean, if Brazil are the one team in the World Cup that you think might be a roadblock, that's not bad. It was only one team there. But I still think that England, with the right mentality and the right mindset, can beat Brazil. What's your thoughts on that, Tom? I'm just a bit worried if um, Mark spent a bit too much time in the sun today because. It's been, he's unusually, unusually optimistic, but I have to agree with him. I think I saw Argentina last night. I was there for that game. I've seen Brazil twice, and I don't think there's much there to scare England from either of those two teams. Argentina last night were completely reliant on Messi taking that game by the scruff of the neck and taking them through. Brazil have really, really missed that creativity of Neymar. He's meant to be back supposedly tomorrow night for the South Korea game, but we wait and see. And you look elsewhere with, I mean, the Mbappe show. I know Mark was there for that tonight, but. I think if England continue in this sort of way, they're going to be the team, which is the team to beat here at the World Cup, which, as you say, being from England is a strange thing to say because it's not usual for us to say something like that, but it's completely true. I think they have to go into this now as probably favourites, which is uh, feels a bit strange to say that. 
Yeah, Augie, let, let's move on to the quarterfinals because uh, let's see if, uh, you know, we can keep continuing with this conversation. I agree. I, I've got England in the final. I've had it from day one to all the points that everybody was talking about. But now comes Le Bleu. Now comes Kylian Mbappé. Now comes the defending champions. What are your thoughts on facing France uh, and this talented side? Because even though, as you said, you may not think that they're as good as England right now, they are still uh, an absolute force. What are your thoughts facing them? Well, I'd be fortunate. So I saw France today. So I've seen all. I've seen all the big teams so far. So I think I've got a fair assessment of where they're all at. And, I, and France, you're right. If this was France of Karim Benzema, Paul Pogba, Ungolo Kante, Hernandez, then you know that's France at the best. But they haven't got Benzema. They haven't got Pogba and Kante. And I think we saw today that. But Mbappe's a genius. Mbappe could beat any team on his day. And if Mbappe turns it on next week, then England are out. This is how it, you know. You have to say that he's one of those players that can win any game, like Messi at Barcelona when he was at his best, and Ronaldo at Real Madrid. But midfield, I think that Rabiot and Chimene can't handle England's midfield of Bellingham, Henderson, Rice. I just think that England will, will win the midfield battle, and winning the midfield battle in the World Cup or any internationally is massive. So if England can control that midfield, then they take control of the game. Defensively, Harry Kane against Rafael Varane, Diego Pomicano. It's a tough battle, but it's not one that Harry Kane can't win. And as you were saying before, he drops off. You know, England have got the pace to really hurt France. Up front, Olivier Giroud absolutely deserves all the respect out there. But I think that John Stones and Harry Maguire should be able to know how to deal with Olivier Giroud. Yeah, they've seen enough of Olivier Giroud exactly. to, to deal with him. The, yeah, yeah. the X factor is, is Mbappe. That is the one thing you can't predict or control. But And who knows? But all of the areas of the pitch, I think England can match or better France. But it's just the superstar that they've got coming from the left. Today... At times, you look bored. Mbappe just looked like kind of bothered to them. You know, Matty Cash had a few moments where he got past him and he, he, Mbappe went to sleep a bit on that, on that, on that left flank and, and, and Cash had a chance, but then he flicked a switch and then it was like, bang, pass for Giroud, goal, goal. And that's what can happen. And it, But England, you know, we saw it, in, <laughs> we've seen it before with England, 1986, Maradona. If a genius decides that that is going to be his day, you've got no chance. Mbappe is that genius. And that is the thing that England have to be aware of. But everywhere else on the pitch, England are better. Mark, well, let, let me ask yeah, you about ahead. one player, though, given that you were there today. What did Antoine Griezmann look like? Obviously, watch the game, know what he's capable of, but just seeing more and more praise from people who were actually in the stadium today for everything that he did in that game. Do you know something? I don't know about Griezmann. I, I think Griezmann's one of these players that does well against a team that doesn't really give him much of a problem. I don't, I don't, I don't think Poland really pressured him. I thought, he's a, a fair-weather player, Antoine Griezmann. When, when, when the going gets tough, and no, he has done it in the past, but I wouldn't be worried about facing Griezmann. I really wouldn't. I, I, you know, he's a good player, he's a talented player, but his career's drifted a bit in the last couple of years. I think I just think Poland made it easy for him today. And the thing with France is they've got some great attacking players, but Griezmann, and, and especially Dembele, the decision-making is terrible at times. And the amount, of, the amount of, you know, balls that Dembele wasted, and that I was sat next to Jules, so you can imagine what that experience was like. Me and Jules sat in the press box. <laughs> oh, and, hang on a minute. Tell us a little bit. About what yeah, I want, I, want, I want to know that. I want to know that. It, it, it was certainly uh, losing his temper a little bit at times at the, at the distribution or lack of, of certain French wingers, and I'm not talking about Kylian Mbappe. It's just that every time they got into the box in a position, they made the wrong pass. And Dembele, that's what he does. He's too, sometimes he's, his legs take him too fast for his, his body. And, and Griezmann, again, doesn't scan the area properly. Mbappe is the guy that everyone worries about, but you know, Jules was uh, up on his feet a few times. It wasn't when they scored either. It was kind of a little bit tense at times. It'd be even more tense next week when they play England. Listen, me and Jules are sharing a flat, as you know, 
and it's going to be interesting how the next week builds out because you know obviously Jules is uh, is very French. <laughs> is yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm as patriotic <laughs> as he is, but I might just turn it on this week just to wind him up. Well, I tell you what, your optimism right now, Og, is rubbing off because I do believe that there's a tweet coming here. I hear we've got a tweet that's breaking the news here <laughs> <laughs> about England. Look at this. this oh, is please let this tournament go better than 1990 did. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely beautiful. Unbelievable. Hey, I got a question for you all. Tom Hamilton, is it coming home? Don't say um, coming home, please. No. <laughs> Don't start. Jud judging by the prices of flights, any homecoming needs to be planned very carefully. So, no, it isn't. Oh, Not this man. time. Well, no, I can't see it. Um, but, yeah, that's my one bit of advice to Gareth would be, have a look at the old sky scanner plan your flights because they're extremely <laughs> expensive so I, I, keep that in i'm mind. sorry about um, that. I, I'm, not, I'm not sorry i'm sorry i'm not having all this over familiarity with this, this, this first name business gareth, gareth listen, <laughs> how do you know he's not his best mate no listen I, I, no. I think we have to keep it keep it professional and keep a cool head gareth well, Southgate, what a, Southgate. But let's let's let's, right. let's kind of, we, don't be, we don't be kind of we don't be on these kind of we're not fans do you know what i mean okay. we're, we're all very right cool -headed. Doesn't oh, let us call right. anyone by the first name. All right, so it's not Gaz then. I got to stop. Well, hang on a minute. Gareth Southgate was the captain at Middlesbrough when I was working at Middlesbrough. And so and Villa's can I, can captain. Can I give him too, a little yeah. cheeky, Gaz? Yeah, you can, Kmart. Skipper, you can. Yeah, skipper. skipper yeah. I am um, never calling him Skipper. Oh wait. Right, so what are you feeling then, Tom? You don't think they're going to go all the way? When do they come out? Is France the end of the road for England? Yeah, I think so. I think Mbappe is going to. Um, over and Mr. Southgate will uh, have to wonder what, what could have been, I'm afraid. <laughs> Mr. Southgate. You've got them going all the way at the final. Yeah, yeah I have them going all the way. I'll be very quick on this. And I think Augie said it perfectly. I think that matchup wise, Kylian Mbappé is the X factor for France. Everywhere else on the pitch, England has it. I've always said that the transitional French midfield won't get to the final. And this midfield from England, now with Jude Bellingham, and Harry Kane clicking, Phil Foden. There's a deeper bench, by the way, from an England perspective. England's got this. It's England's to lose. I truly believe that. All right, let's talk about the two Harrys then, Harry Maguire and Harry Kane, because we saw a couple of things that we haven't seen in recent games from them. Harry Maguire made a mistake, and we've not seen that in the World Cup really from him so far. Harry Kane scored a goal, and we've not seen that in the World Cup. Or uh, 10 games, wasn't it, before this so far, at least from open play anyway. So what were your judgment of the two Harrys today, Mark? Well, Harry Maguire, yeah, he did start very shaky, I think. And there was a couple of moments I thought mm, it's going to be one of those nights because what Harry Maguire doesn't like is people with pace running at him. And he liked, you know, at, at times Senegal had that element to the game until England scored. So I think Maguire will be happier, like we said, facing up against Giroud. I don't think he'd be too happy when Mbappe starts running at him, but that might be Kyle Walker's problem. So I thought Maguire had a tough time, but he, he, he overcame it. I think, you know, England will stick with Maguire. And that's for Harry Kane. I, I think it's important to Harry Kane that he scores because I, as a striker, you want to be scoring goals. But his all-round performances in the games, there's no pressure on Kane on Kane's place because he's playing so well. So if he doesn't score again until the final and he equals Wayne Rooney's record in the final, I think he'd be more than happy with that. And I think every Englishman would as well. So as long as England are scoring goals, there's eight different scorers now they've had. That, yeah. that is a more impressive statistic yeah. to me than Harry Kane going for the golden boot. If you just very, team, that's just very.
very quickly, you know, he's so much more than a striker for England. So that you just need to look at the evidence. Harry Kane is so much more than that. I mean, you saw it today, just what he does, you know, in, in a non-conventional uh, number nine position. So I don't want any England fan to be dissuaded by the fact that he's not scoring goals. I agree with Augie, like a striker needs goals, confidence, etc. But he does so much more, so much more than just score goals. Tom, what's your uh, Tom? Tom, Tom, what's your Tom? The hey, Harry's? Tom! <laughs> what's your assessment on the Harrys? <laughs> that sounded like the guys from Home Alone. Yeah, um, yeah. basically, <laughs> um, I completely agree with um, with Augie. I think that uh, Maguire, he certainly looks a lot happier in an England shirt than he does a Man United shirt. And as for Harry Kane, he's established that this unique position as a hybrid player really where he's like an eight and a half nine and a half basically like he 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 can float around as i said earlier he must be an absolute nightmare to mark against and um i completely agree with mark if, if he makes it to the final without scoring another and then eventually equals rooney's record there then there won't be a single person back home criticizing him for it so um they're extremely lucky to have those sort of options and so far so good but mbappe is going to give them the biggest test they've had so far Speaking of back home, guys, there was a few very small gatherings that you would expect when England play at this time back home around the 8 p.m. mark. I just thought I'd show you what. Uh... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As understated as ever, Luis. Yeah, it's just a waste of beer, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't appreciate that. And the fog coming from the sides. Although, yeah, pretty much the same as you expect. I remember it growing up, the same thing. But don't waste all that beer, boys. Come on now, there's more goals to come. Yeah, definitely. I think that, I think that we've pretty much done that. So before we let you guys go, because uh, we're going to wrap this one up, England-France is the quarterfinal that we'll be looking ahead to in the coming days. But before we go, we said that it's been a bit of a weird day. We've seen some things that we're not used to seeing. This was probably the weirdest thing that happened today, guys. After slandering, after slandering some US pundits, we're not we're not going to go out this show with an <laughs> with a with an amazing and this this will not damage your credibility whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was all right. Six out of ten, I think I give it. <laughs> he said y'all as well. So he, he actually is practically an American now. Anyway, yeah. the Highland Cow, welcome to the show. Craig Burley, it was great to have you on. We'll let you guys go. Marcotti will let you go speak to your VIP friends at FIFA. Thanks. I don't know what I don't know what was going on with Craig Burley. Has anyone but... heard from him since? Has anyone checked in on him? Oh, he's he's now in the Highlands, I believe. He's turned fully into a cow now. I think what that is that's that's an example of a Scotsman that's beginning to realise that England might win the World Cup. <laughs> that's he's, that's a, <laughs> this is before the game. It's called a Scottish uh, stroke. That's right, realising that England's about to win the World Cup. Tom, Mark, always great to have the two of you on. We'll speak to you again soon on the daily. <laughs> Oh, All right. my goodness. Craziness well, today, Kay. Craziness. Great, yeah. Um, and we have another guest. I think it's our 35th guest already. Brilliant. On the ESPN FC Daily. Gabe Tan is with us. Gabe, hello. General editor at ESPN. And my favourite part about your bio, Gabe, and it's perfect timing, really, is Asian football takes up most of my time. Is it the first Christmas, given that you put it in your own bio? Yes, uh, it really does. And uh, I'm glad there's, there's been a lot of Asian football um, at this World Cup. So clearly keeping uh, busy. And I think not many people were expecting me to be still here past the group stage. But here I am, round of 16. So there's plenty to be happy about. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's. So tell us then, has it been a surprise or are you thinking, haha? There you go. I knew this uh, might happen. <laughs> the latter. But if I'm being honest, I wasn't thinking this two teams. But I, I did believe that an Asian team would get through. I, I think, um, you know, overall, the standard has really improved. And it's just great to, to, to let other people see that, you know, that Asian football, we know there's been, you know, highs and lows throughout all the years since, you know, South Korea really went all the way to finish fourth at the 2002 World Cup. Um, the, the quality, the standards are really improved. You see many Asian players um, playing in Europe now in some of the biggest leagues. So uh, I think, you know, we've waited four years for Asia, Asian football to again show what it can do. And, uh, well, I think two or three of these teams have not disappointed at all so far. So that's where I was going, Gabe. I wanted to ask because Japan to uh, win their group, my goodness, incredible. And then for South Korea... A group with Spain and Germany in it. It's amazing. I mean, we, we talked about the stat, right? The fact that before that situation, before this tournament, Japan had never beaten a former World Cup champion. They do it twice in the space of a few days. Unbelievable. And then South Korea, in a very difficult group, achieved something remarkable yeah. as well in stoppage time. Which one to you is the most impressive? Uh, has to be Japan. In terms of results, it has to be Japan. Like you guys said, you know, beating... Uh, Germany and Spain, who are two of the last three world champions. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just amazing. What I will say is I think there was an element of luck involved. And I've been, I would say I've been highly critical of the coach Hajime Moriyasu. But, you know, there was a bit of um, smash and grab behind those two victories. You know, it wasn't a game where they controlled and dominated. And you wouldn't expect that against Germany and Spain, obviously. So, you know, I think the results, result-wise, those two games, or those two wins were amazing. But in terms of what South Korea did, um, with their game plan coming up against teams like Uruguay, Portugal, you know, and really getting that result when they needed to. I think I think South Korea were more in control of their fate, even though Japan ultimately did do something amazing, which is to top a group that also had uh, Germany and Spain. So I, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards South Korea having the bigger achievement. But you know what? At the end of the day, they are both through to the round of 16, hoping to get to the quarterfinals. But, you know, now, now we're talking about uh, bigger fish to fry and a much, much more difficult task ahead. Okay, so we'll get to those quarterfinals in just a mo- uh, into those last sixteen. Sorry, in just a moment. But first of all, I would just like to know because honestly, we scrutinise this so deeply on the ESPN FC show. 
What was the thoughts back in Asia about Tanaka's goal? Was it talked about as much as it was everywhere else it seemed in the world and was it scrutinized as much as it was everywhere else yes yes it was obviously scrutinized but you know everyone on this side of the fence was saying it clearly was not out um you know uh, so it was a different side of the fence that uh, everyone was scrutinizing it but yeah and and you know you get all these cliches like for once the, the cliche that the ball is wrong actually makes sense because you know that whole curvature of the ball needing to cross the line before it went out so um it was it was an amazing moment because you know like you guys said there was so much debate um, but ultimately, I guess FIFA did come out with with you know evidence that it 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 did remain in play. So yeah, it was a, a great moment because you know it it also meant that Japan had to really prove and show their mettle because you know that was in the you know what you know fifty third minute. So they had a long time to really hold out against Spain. So you know we look at that moment and and Japan showing their nerve, their spirit to hold on, and then we see the flip side, which is South Korea looking like they were on their way out and then getting that ninety first minute winner. So you know just just those two days alone were. You know, it, it probably took a few years of my life, but, you know, they were, they were amazing. <laughs> Gabe, we've been going through this question a lot in this show. Obviously, there's plenty of evidence to prove as such. But we ask you, a fan has asked it as well, uh, watching ESPN FC Daily. Is this the most open World Cup tournament, in your opinion, uh, from the ones that you, of course, remember? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just based on the round of 16 lineup, it, it has to be one of the, I think, you know, in 2002, that year where, where Senegal went far as well, Korea went far, Turkey, um, that was one of my favorite World Cups. I was obviously quite, quite young then, so the, the memory's a bit uh, foggy. Oh, but yes, God, so you're making me of... feel very old, Gabe. <laughs> I, I realized the moment I said that I should have backtracked, but, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that World Cup was good. But yeah, I mean, you look at those teams, you know, the, the, the cliche again is, is the World Cup. We, should, we, we obviously want the best teams to get there, but ideally there should be a good spread because that just goes to show that, um, you know, the quality all across the globe is improving. It's of a high standard. And I think we're really starting to see that uh, at this World Cup. Don't forget, you know, Australia being part of the AFC as well. You know, we consider them an Asian nation when it comes to AFC competition. So that's three mm -hmm. Asian teams. Um, and, you know, just different confederations wanting to see them rise along with, you know, the established order that is usually the European and South American team. So it's been great to watch. Yeah, we are here for it. OK, so let's look ahead to those games. Japan taking on Croatia. Where can Japan hurt Croatia? What can Croatia fear in this Japanese side? I think really like what we've seen against uh, what they did against Spain and Germany, you know, that, that, that sheer belief and... Um, I think it was Bill Connolly that wrote a line that I absolutely love, which was Japan will make you suffer for, well, Japan will suffer for 85 minutes and then beat you in five minutes. And, you know, that's exactly what Japan are all about. And, you know, they, 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 they potentially frustrate fans. Um, again, the game against Costa Rica, where they should have been dominating, they completely just sat back against a team that was hitting back. So, you know, that was absolutely frustrating to watch. Uh, and then they go ahead and beat uh, Germany and Spain with, you know, quick fire goals again. So um, I think that's one thing Croatia will have to be wary of that, you know, they they could be lulled into a false sense of security, thinking Japan are sitting back and then they go boom, boom, Ritsudoan, you know, Aotanaka, uh, Kaoru Mitoma, these kind of players that can really hurt you. So uh, I do think Croatia will still be favourites just because, you know, they are uh, the runners-up from the last edition. You can't disregard that completely. But, you know, the spirit that Japan have showed to, don't forget, those two wins weren't just 2-1 wins. They will come from behind 2-1 wins. So just basically there's this Japanese spirit they're harnessing, you know, they're called the Samurai Blue and there's a real warrior spirit um, with this Japanese team that uh, that could really prove um, prove hard to beat. So on the other side, then they have to face Brazil, uh, South Korea, a massive matchup for both, of course. But clearly, on paper, at least Brazil are the favorites. What do you think South Korea 
needs to do in order to make sure they get something out of this game. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be one where they have to do what they did against Portugal, you know, really be tight. They can't afford to. Obviously, against Portugal, they conceded after just five minutes. You know, they can they they, they kind of have to avoid that this time against Brazil. Uh, but at the same time, uh, do the same thing. Not really give give up, even though they they won't be getting as much of the ball. Uh, as they need. And, you know, someone like Son Heung-min, we, we obviously talk about Son Heung-min all the time, but he is that player, as we saw with his assists to Hwang Hee-chan for the winner against Portugal, you know, he is that player that is capable. Um, there's Zhang Wu-yong, Hwang Yin-byom in the middle of the park. Now, those those two guys will be, you know, really important in, uh, you know, Korea not going to expect to dominate possession or proceedings, but, you know, just making sure Brazil don't get too much time on the ball to really start moving it around, you know, left to right and really try to, try to find spaces in the South Korea um, defense. So, I think South Korea are going to have to keep it tight, but Again, I think the benefit for South Korea as well is the fact that they really have nothing to lose. I mean, you know, the pressure will all be on Brazil. Brazil are missing yeah. a couple of injured players. So, um, you know, South Korea do have to go in um, believing they, they can do it. And, uh, you know, again, with, with, with 90 minutes, maybe extra time, maybe penalties. Um, you know, it could be anyone's game, especially during a knockout round, a knockout format tournament. So, um, I agree that South Korea will be the underdogs in this one. But, that, that, I mean... That's every chance they could pull off an up. I think every World Cup, there's always one major upset waiting to happen. I'm hoping that's not Japan over Spain and Germany. I'm hoping this might be the one. Oh, yes. Well, we hope so too. And obviously, we'll be hearing from you again if that happens, Gabe Tan. It's been great to have you on the ESPN FC Daily. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. So those are the games we're going to be looking back on tomorrow, LMA. We are ploughing through these games and uh, very interesting what's ahead, hey? Yeah, I know. I'm very proud of the fact that uh, Gabe was our 35th ESPN guest, by the way. That's pretty cool, K-Mari. I feel like we're building quite a community here on ESPN FC Daily. But I can't wait for these matches to continue. Just like Gabe said, I think it's a very open tournament. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens. Yes, me too. Make sure you join us tomorrow to look back on these next two last 16 encounters.